Good morning. Welcome to Belong Church. We're so glad that you're with us and taking this journey with us. And it's a wonderful end of September. And last week we celebrated our five-year anniversary as a church. And we looked at the different things that is the core of our church and the three main scriptures. If you didn't hear that message, I encourage you to go back and and listen to it. And, And a couple of weeks before that, we actually did a message on change. And it must be something that the the Spirit of God is trying to lead us in because now this week would be almost a third in the series. If it wasn't meant to be a series, it wasn't meant at all to be that, but this is the vein, the the path, the journey that I believe that God has taken us on. So if you didn't hear this message on change, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it because it's going to go hand in hand with what we're looking at today. In fact, one of the things that I said in the change message is that we all face the same thing. The one thing that's common to every one of us is change. So we're always going to be faced with situations that require us to change. But today we're looking at a different facet of that, and that's when someone reaches the end or the bottom, maybe the rock bottom that you would look at and say, man, this is no place to look but up. And often we'll say it like this. We'll say, man, someone has reached the end and something just clicks inside of them. Maybe it's that they land flat on their back and all they can do is like, okay, something jarred me into thinking and to realizing, okay, I don't want to stay this way. But you see, the problem is sometimes we can look as an outsider looking in at someone and going through something, go, oh yeah, this is the rock bottom for them. Oh yeah, that's definitely, they can't go any lower. And I personally have seen people that I thought was at the lowest place and there's no way it's going to get any worse. And yet they went further. It wasn't the end for them. It wasn't the, the they've now looked up, but they still were maybe even enjoying staying at that place and nothing has clicked. So see, me standing on the outside and looking in doesn't mean necessarily that they're ready for something to change in their life. Can I say it like this? Maybe someone is even tired of life doing it the same way, but they keep doing it. Maybe they're continuing on in the same pathways because it hasn't reached that place that they're going to make that change. Maybe they're not to that place, but then there comes a day. But you see, I don't choose when that day is. If I'm being honest, if I'm being completely transparent, I don't even choose it for myself. Because most of us would say, I need change in my life. I'm ready for change, so I think. So today's the day I change. And I never do anything wrong again. I never change. I never do the, the thing that I'm turning my back on. But that's not real life. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to someone. And this is a recurring conversation. So yes, I'm speaking of one. But this could be of many people. So if you're listening and that was me and you talking, I'm not talking about you because this happens so often. But the question is, why do I keep doing the same things over and over again? The things that I know that are destructive to my life that have caused so much loss 
in my life, and yet I keep doing it. And maybe is it an addiction? Is it this or is it that? And, and we talked about all the different types of addictions and how it has to do with God's mercies. Well, isn't there going to reach a point was the question that God's mercy says, okay, you're done. I gave you all the chances you're going to have, and that was the last one. Can I tell you, that's not the reality. And we'll see today in some of the scriptures the proof of that. But there is always the mercies of God, the Bible says, are new every morning. That means everything that was great yesterday, today's a new day. Everything that I did that I wish I could take back yesterday are new every morning. Yesterday is in the past. I can do nothing to change it, to celebrate in the good things or to, to revel in the bad things and to just like beat myself up over them. No, that was yesterday. What am I going to do today? But it requires us to reach this place. But even in that, there's the mercies of God. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will. I'm going to read from James chapter 1 and verse 14 and 15. And again, if, you, um, if you're just joining us and, and just to kind of give you a, a different way, we're doing it in a different storytelling type of way that you'll see the scripture there that you can go and, and read it later, but we're not going to put it up for you. And, and it's just more for me to tell the story, but the references are there for you to go and check it out. In James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, But each person is tempted by their own evil desires. Can I say it like this? Not necessarily evil, like you're an evil person, but it's the things that are going to either lead us towards God or away from God. If I'm going towards God or the good, the opposite of that, opposite of that is evil. So each person is led, tempted by their own evil desires. Their desires lead them on and drag them away. Verse 12, when these desires are allowed to remain, they lead to sin. Let me say that strong. They will lead to sin. And when sin is allowed to remain and grow, look at that. If you're, if you're one of those Bible um, people who writes in their Bibles and note taker, I would circle that and say, and remain and grow. It leads to death. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that the whole thing starts in our mind. It all starts in what we allow in our mind. And, and this scripture is just tying right hand and, hand and glove in with this. It just ties right in. Okay, so when these desires are allowed to remain. So in other words, you can have a desire that comes in and it's not from God. It's from the enemy. It's something trying to pull you in the wrong direction towards evil. Verse 14 says they'll lead you on and drag them away towards evil, okay? When you allow them to remain, so their thought, their desire, and, and a thought is going to move into a desire, and it's an emotional thing. Well, I really need that, or I really want that. And you allow them to remain, they're going to lead you to sin, there's no way that you're going to say, I'm just going to play with that. I'm not going to get rid of that. It's just going to stay over here. And 
it'll be okay. No, they will lead to sin. And when that sin or missing it, okay, not a big religious word that's shaking a finger at you as we saw last week, but when missing it is the exact word sin means literally to miss it, to miss the mark. When missing the mark is allowed to remain, when that's, that's okay, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I'm kind of down. Yeah, I've fallen. And yeah, but you know, I'm just going to allow it to be. It's going to grow. And it leads to death. See, the Bible says that all sin, the wages of that is death. So if I allow that to happen and to remain in my life, it's going to grow and it's not pushing me towards God. It's pushing me towards death. And the death of my body is not the end of everything. The worst part of that death is if it pulls me in a place that I never accept God, then I'll spend eternity without God. And that death is the worst place to be. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus went on to say, what comes out of a person makes them unclean. And he's being asked a question, and he's talking about what comes out, what, what you're saying. And he, he brings it up even better in verse 21. He goes, evil thoughts come from inside. In other words, we're all going to have evil thoughts. Okay, We're all going to have this thing that makes us think, oh, this bad thought, evil thought. But it comes from the inside. But we just saw in the previous scripture, if I allow it to remain, then that comes also then from the heart. Continues on. So do sexual sins, stealing and murder. Man, these are the biggies, okay? So not only just evil thoughts that, oh, I should cheat on this test, or I should do this, or I should do that, or I should lie, or I should do this. But the biggies, the sexual sins, the stealing and the murder, he continues on. Verse 22, adultery, greed, hating, cheating from a person's heart come, all comes from a person's heart too. In other words, if your heart is broken, if your heart is, is, is black, if your heart has got evil inside of it because that's what you've allowed to grow, then this is what's going to come out. Continues on. So do desires, desires, we just saw desires, so do desires that are not pure and what, wanting what belongs to others. And so do telling lies about others and being proud and being foolish. All of these evil things, verse 23, come from inside a person and make them unclean. Jesus is saying, hey, these thoughts are going to come and if you allow them to grow, if you allow them to stay there, then they're eventually going to come out of you and those things that you allowed... They are what's going to come out of you, and that's what will make you unclean. And he was saying, it's not what you eat. It isn't your practices, whether they're good practices or religious practices or any of these things. So, and I'm going to say it like this. It's not about, I go to church, therefore I'm, I'm okay. No, it's what's inside of you. See, I can go to church as a really bad, evil, vile person and think that I'm okay and nothing's changed inside. Or I can go and let God's word reveal to me things that need to change. And I move from this life that's over here into this life that God has for me. And what is unclean becomes clean. 
because what I'm thinking changes. Because what I'm doing is actions are changing and my evil desires are not allowed to remain and grow. But I'm, re- I'm learning how to control my thoughts and to put those things down and I don't have to reach rock bottom anymore to click and change, but I can click when I start seeing these evil thoughts coming in and go, no, that's not right. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, think about things that are in heaven. Dream about it. Think about it. Don't think about things that are only on the earth. Where are your thoughts? Are you just going to be surrounded and and allow yourself to be submerged into these things that are just on the earth? Carnal thoughts, evil thoughts. Are you just going to be wrapped up on those things? Are you going to let your mind go, okay, God, I'm going to think about your Bible. The Bible says in the prayer, let let it be done on earth like it is in heaven. So what's it like in heaven? Let me go look for scriptures that talk to me about what it's like in heaven. Proverbs 20, 17 says, Food gained by cheating tastes sweet, but you will end up with a mouth full of gravel. And growing up having to read a, a proverb a day, man, it's a great thing. There's 31 proverbs. There's 31 days in most months and many months. So you read one a day. So if today's, you know, January 1st, you read Proverbs 1. And when it's December the 12th, you read Proverbs 12. You, you follow my analogy. And as I read this, this one always was so graphic and vivid to me. And sin and the things that I would think, it always starts off like, wow, this is going to taste so good. And people that have all these evil things that happen, they'll all tell you in the moment, it's mind-blowing how sweet it is. Problem is, it never lasts. And the destruction is even greater than the sweetness that there was. And the analogy of eating something like a great dessert, whatever your favorite. I'm thinking French silk pie. And just eating some great, oh, it's just like I can taste it on my taste buds right now. And just salivating, just thinking about it. And just that taste as I'm eating and as I eat it, it all of a sudden becomes dry and gravel in my mouth. Instead of being filled with something great and sweet, it's all full of gravel. It sucked all the water out. And I'm like, I can't breathe. And I'm just wanting to get rid of it. That's what evil desires. That's what sin does to us. But that's what we can do over and over again. But you have a choice. What do you allow? What do you allow to be there? Now, this is twofold. One is, what do I allow in my life? But the other is, what does someone else that I'm looking at from the outside? Hebrews 11, verse 25, Jesus chose to be treated badly together with the people of God. He chose not to just exit himself out and say, okay, I'm the son of God. I don't have to go through all this. He chose to be treated badly. And he chose also not to enjoy sins, pleasures that only last for a short period of time. See, there is pleasures in sin. There are the the enjoyable things of doing things the wrong way. But they last for just a short period of time. Jesus chose not to indulge 
into that. And my, my high school teacher, Dr., uh, Mr. Carpenter, he would, he would always tell me something. He'd say these words, and it's still, he's been in heaven for several years now, but he's, his words are still reliving in my mind. He says, Kevin, that's a luxury you can't afford. That's a luxury I can't afford. Yeah, it may be pleasurable, but it doesn't last for the long term. I want the blessings of God that makes rich in abundance and doesn't bring any sorrow with it. 2 Peter 3.19 says, The Lord is not slow to keep his promise. He's not dear to our hearing. He isn't like missing out on it. It's like, oh my gosh, look at all the stuff that they're getting away with. He is not slow in the way that some people understand it. Instead, he is patient with you. Let me just say that in big, bold letters. If I was texting, I'd be using all caps right now. He's patient with you. Goes on to say, he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. Pause. Think about those people that aggravate you. Think about those people that you're looking in from the outside and looking at all the mistakes that they keep making and go, haven't you learned yet? Don't you know that if you do that, you're, this is going to happen? Haven't you hit rock bottom yet? It's, isn't this a terrible enough for you? God, why is they still going through this? And maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a, you fill in the blank. He's patient. God is patient. Therefore, I need to be patient. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. But if we're honest, there's probably people that we would like to see destroyed. Maybe they've hurt me and so badly that I'd like to see that all come back down on them. God is patient. And he's willing to wait for your opportunity to reach that point where it clicks and you say, okay, I'm now going to follow you. I'm now going to trust you with my life, God. In fact, the rest of that says, instead he wants all people to turn away from their sins. He's patient. Last week we saw he sent Jesus, not as a judger, not to come and say, this is, I'm going to shake my finger and tell you everything you're doing wrong, but that everyone would come to know him. The last part of 2 Peter 3, 9, he wants all people to turn away, to have a change in your mind, a change in your focus, a change in your purpose. But now here's where I'm landing with this message today. May I suggest to you that same thing can happen with love. I was sitting, doing my job a few weeks ago now. And I was working in most people, what most people would call a dark place, a place of sin. And there wouldn't be much, no one could actually tell you. People there would even tell you that, okay? And I was drawn to this one particular place within it. And all of a sudden, instead of seeing like I would see in my natural eyes, I started seeing people the way Father God sees them. And I, I honestly, I was frozen in my tracks and just like, oh my gosh. And I saw the, the enjoyment of the moment. 
Maybe it's the alcohol. Maybe it's the money. Maybe it's the whatever it would be. But I know why it changes like that when no one's around. And within minutes, of the, now they're left empty and worse. Like we just saw, it turns to gravel. It's just this horrible thing. But I began to see people the way God sees them. I've never experienced that in my life. It was the most amazing thing for me because I wasn't seeing what they were doing. I wasn't seeing their, will you follow me? Their sin. I was seeing their souls. I was seeing the life that God is patient with. Not being quick to judge them. Wanting everyone to turn away from their sin. And I was reminded when we planted the church, God gave me this analogy of people saying, oh, you're going to hell for this, and you're going to hell for that, and you fear, and they put all these titles on people. And he gave me an analogy of a cloud. And if you can imagine the cloud with all the different things here, and all these titles are just thrown in that cloud. And I'm over here, and he showed me one person over here. And he said all of the titles that people would put on them may all be true. So I'm not saying they're not true. He says, all those titles are, people are saying, you're going to go to hell because of this or this or this. He goes, but the reality is, the only thing that's going to keep someone from going to heaven is whether or not they've accepted me. Not all the titles. And then he showed me like this, and if I could draw an analogy, it's like this thing going through the cloud, and it's just parting through the cloud so you can get through it, almost like a plane flying through it. And he goes, can you just penetrate through the clouds and don't let any of that stuff stick on you? But can you just get to the person? Because once I come into their life, once they accept me, once they start understanding the goodness of God, we have the rest of their life to work on the titles, the things. But I started off talking about how we can look at somebody and say, oh, you need this. You need to do that. This is wrong in your life. And if you only did this, and maybe they're not ready for that. Maybe I'm not ready for that. Maybe you're not ready for that. God says, I've got forever in my patience to be there, to deal with that, all those titles. Can we just get to the person? Can you see past the partying? Can you see past them seeming to be living their best life, but knowing that it's just turning to gravel? I mean, how often can you go out and do all of these things and the next day feel terrible? I used to have a friend that one, if you watch their Instagram feed, that you would see them out, you know, drinking and taking shots and da-da-da-da-da-da, and I'm not throwing any shade. I'm talking, I'm telling the story, okay? You see all this stuff, and then the next morning you'd see a pillow, and they're right there, and their face is right there like, please, never let me do that again. Next Friday, you see the same thing, and over and over the cycle went, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, didn't you learn from, look, go back and look at that. But no, that's not how we do that. It so quickly turns into gravel in our mouths. But can we see past all of that where we would look at someone and judge them? And just work on love.
1 Peter 4, 8. It says, above all, love each other deeply. It's not talking about my love, my natural love for you. It's not my love for my wife as a, as a spousal kind of love where I'm in love with her. This is God's love. It's not looking for anything in return. This I'm going to self-sacrifice what God did when he sent Jesus. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. That same love. Love each other deeply. And I just love the last part of this. Because that love covers over a multitude of sins. See, when I stop dead in my tracks... I felt the love come up inside of me that was covering over all of the, can I say it this way, obvious sins. All the things that anybody, probably even they themselves, would look at and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. The things we'd look at and go, you're clearly sinning. But he goes, can you look past all of that and see the heart God so loved. Can I love? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Please bow your heads. You could find yourself in many different places with this message. You could be the one on the other end of the shaking finger, shaking at other people and looking at all their shortcomings. You could be on the other end of that finger, someone's shaking that finger at you and you know you're terrible. You know you're doing terrible things and you know that you're doing things that you don't even like, yet you find yourself in a cycle of doing them over and over again. The message of love for me to love others that I would think is at the bottom of the barrel They've clearly reached the bottom. They can't go any, and then they don't leave. Or maybe that's me that's like, God, I keep doing the same thing over and over again. Here I am again. I'm telling you the same thing. Maybe you're listening to a message, and every time you pray the prayer every week, hoping that this week it changes. That's okay. Remember the scripture we just looked at? God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to miss out so much that his love it just covers over what is a multitude of sins not even things that we're going to say well I don't know if it's that bad no they're that bad but they're covered over by God's love his patience to see a change happen in your life but the best change that can happen in your life is for you to surrender your life to God and that simply is not a religious word it's not meant to be a religious word. It simply means giving up doing life the way that you know how to do it. Can I say it like this? Maybe the way you've been doing it isn't working. Maybe you need to give up doing it your way and trust God. The first step is to say this prayer and allow God to come in and He's so generous He's so genuine. He's so gentle. He'll show you. He will lead you.
And when you start just taking different steps, you'll start seeing different results. I invite you to say this prayer with me. Say, Father in heaven, right now I choose to give up doing life my way. I surrender to you. I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it. And I receive your new life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Today, I give my life to you. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, whether it's the first time or maybe you prayed it many, many times, I want to encourage you to take the next step, and that's simply to text the word CONNECT to 469-289-1114. It's simply our text communication system that we're able to communicate with you and let you know what your next steps are if you'd like to take them. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this great journey that you've led Belong Church on. You've led me on, Lord. And Lord, just revealing to us your heart for people. Lord, I thank you that you showed us how you love beyond even all of our sins. That you're so patient with us. And your love covers over those things that I wish were different in my life. And you're patient to help me find a way out. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone that is challenged like I am with this. And as we're striving to go from the world's way into your way and to follow you, Lord, I just thank you that you're right there with us. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone who paid their tithes and their offerings this week. Lord, the ones who continue to sow their generosity into this ministry to see lives change. Lord, I pray that we love big and we cover lots. Lord, we just give you all the glory and we give you all of this. Lord, I pray that your will be done through this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Stay tuned and watch to the end for ways that you can connect with us and our social medias and ways that you can give.